Welcome to Lead from the Driver's Seat with Al Rattan. With over 30 years in leadership, Al is ready to share his struggles and successes to help you change your mindset and become the leader you want to be. Learn what it takes to be a successful leader and hear from other entrepreneurs as they share their leadership journeys. It's time for you to lead your team or organization to their full potential. Let's get started. Here is your host, Al Rattan. We are recording now as well, as well as being alive. Well, everyone, I want to thank you for tuning in to another edition of Lead from the Driver's Seat. And uh, we're doing this a little differently tonight. Instead of just recording this on Zoom video conferencing, I'm actually broadcasting live into a private Facebook group that I have called uh, 360 Leadership. Uh, and we just wanted to add value to that community tonight. And you know what? I am I'm, I'm excited. I was actually, believe it or not, I was a little bit nervous all day saying, I can't believe I'm hosting my coach, my mentor, Drew, in my Facebook group tonight. And wow. like, this is, this man here, I've known him since uh, 2016. And I'll get into a little bit more detail on how we met back then. But not... Uh, known him since 2016, but I have to say that probably about two and a half years ago, and you spoke into my life back then, but about two and a half years ago, we connected in a, in a completely different way. It was in a smaller group setting. It was in, it was in a, a group coaching session setting. You took us through uh, myself and some others through Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. And it, through that, we not only had study and application, but we had group coaching. And I have to say, my friend, that you, and, and I'll share a little bit about this later, maybe, uh, if we have time, but you, you changed my life yeah. in that session, in yeah. those sessions. Um, and I am a better person and, a, and a, a new person today because of the impact you had on me. So you have not only been a coach, a mentor, but you've become a dear and trusted friend. And you know what? You've always been there for me. And I just want to say thank you publicly. Thank you very much. I receive it. I receive it. Thank you, man. I listen, man, I'm honored. I am. Um, this just gives me goosebumps to be here to um, to be to be able to serve you, to serve your community, and you know, I like just like you. I I have watched you journey through. I've watched you grow. I've watched you change and evolve. Um, and one of the things that I I just really love and 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 I adore about you is the fact that you you walk the walk. Um, there's not a single time there's been an opportunity for you to learn and for you to grow, whether it is, you know, other programs or even within my body of work and my programs. And, and I said, Earl, and, you know, you, you, you began to start setting a record like you're always the first guy, right? <laughs> you're always the first guy. You're always the first guy, you know? So, so for me, you know, it goes both ways in saying that I honor the fact that, that you have sowed into my life. I've honored the fact that you have, um, bless me and trusted me and you, you like I say you always put the coal into my fire so that it keeps burning so for me that I appreciate uh, that I, I, I honor you I, I, I appreciate you and you know I, I get to have the privilege of getting to come to Toronto and have a, a, a good friend to show me around like we yeah. 
Listen, man, that, that was so fun, crazy. man. That was that was a hot day. You remember that? We're walking, Drew and I walking around downtown Toronto, touring things around, and it was hot. And then we drove to Niagara Falls. Um, I remember we got on a comp, on a conference call with some of the John Maxwell team members, and we talked Mark Cole's call. Remember, we were talking to Mark as we're driving down the highway to Niagara Falls. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, good times. That was amazing. So. You know, I, I asked you to come, you know, like not only coach, mentor, you've been teaching me and, and others as we've led through this Think and Grow Rich study, you know, and again, you're right. I was the, when you launched that study in, uh, that was like August, 2017, 2018, yes. 27, yeah, I was like the first one in, like I was this, this is time I got to get going. I want Drew. So now Drew and I met just a little history. Drew and I met when he was, you were, you were uh, a peer teaching partner with the John Maxwell team. Now Drew's, Drew is not only my coach and mentor, but, and he shared the stage with John Maxwell. Yeah. You know, he was, he was, uh, he shared the stage with, with Stu McLaren. If anybody knows Stu McLaren, who runs the, the tribe community, tribe workshop community, you know, like and you've, you've been able to pour into so many lives, but you challenged me when I was a brand new John Maxwell team member. And I'd get on those calls with you for those support calls for the new members and you would stretch and challenge me. And that was just the beginning of what's now turned into a four year friendship and relationship. So again, grateful for that, but I want to dive in now. You, you, uh, you are, you have an interesting story and now we, I know we don't have time to go into it tonight, but you're, your story, when I first heard it, inspired me because you have this incredible mindset of perseverance, not giving up. We're going to go. I'm going to make it happen. I don't care what it takes. And I just want you to share a little bit about your trip. You, you, you come to the United States, right? So I want you to just, you know, a past with, with, you know, family members, loss of life, but come to the United States, you seek out John Maxwell, you join the John Maxwell team. And Drew, I want you to share the story of your first IMC and, you know, eating crackers, right? To survive. Like, I just want, because I think that's a, that's an inspirational story. It's saying, you know what, you don't have to have everything laid out for you. Yes, you're going to have to work for it, but if you work for it, you get yeah. six, you have success. So share yeah. that, please. I, I, before I do that, I, I want to ask you a question. If you turn around, there's a word that you have behind you. What does it say? It says persistence. Okay. It says a noun, not giving up until you succeed. And that poster is behind me yes. all That's the time. That's from perseverance. Sorry? That's very different from perseverance. Absolutely. Right? What I, what I, what I advocate for is persistence. Because mm -hmm. that's what's taken me over time. And that's what's handled, you know, every difficult season in time. So I, again, as Earl said, I was born and brought up in Kenya and from very humble beginnings. And, um, you know, I was, I, as I keep, I joke around, I say I was up for poor, you know, we just merely made it through. And um, I became an entrepreneur before the need of survival. I, I was an only child. I, um, lost my mother uh, at the young age of 18. And, and I had really my family, my entire block of family was my mother, my grandmother, and my aunt. And so at 18, I lost my mother. At 19, I lost my aunt who had five children. So at 19, I became a father of five kids, four girls and a boy. 
And then at 22, I lost my grandmother. So in a span of four years, um, all the dreams and aspirations, I wanted to be a pilot. Um, and even though my mother didn't have much, I, I knew I wanted to come to Texas. I wanted to be a pilot and I wanted all those things. And one minute I wanted to go to the Air Force, but all that changed. There was a switch uh, when my mother passed away. Mm-hmm. And I came from this idealistic kid to one who needed to find how to pay rent the following month. Uh, because we, you know, when she passed away, we didn't have much of a savings. Um, long story short, um, I did odd jobs. And I mean, I was always a little entrepreneur and through my journey, I mean, I started uh, as an entrepreneur from a very young age and I learned how to trade. And, and so as, I, as this happened, I, I became a business person. And I remember I went on and I built uh, you know, two really successful companies um, and in the process, I, I met somebody who was a great mentor for me. And uh, he was a Dutch guy. He was really my first mentor. And his name was Bram. And uh, he was the CEO of our national airline, Kenya Airways and KLM. Mm-hmm. And for almost two years, we went back and he kept encouraging me and saying, you know what, you, you, you've got something to do. And I'd say, nah, you know, I'm really not interested. Anyway, one time I, I realized that I wanted more than just what I'd seen. And so I, you know, sold out my business and I took a journey. And my first job is they sent me out and I was in charge of three countries. Now I was in charge of Zambia, Malawi, uh, and Zimbabwe, and this is in Southern Africa. And so you've got to remember, I'm, I'm a high school guy, you know, and, and here I am, all I have is street smart. All I knew was I knew how to, I knew how to sell and I knew how to communicate with people. And so I went in at a young age, I was 20, 26, you know, had, had a $40 million you know, budget and run airlines and, and basically we, we, we built something that was truly amazing. But in the process, what I discovered about myself was that there was more than my environment. I wanted to know what was out there. And I remember being in my hotel room, uh, it was on a Friday in South Africa in Johannesburg in Santon at the Hilton. And I had bought a book, um, The 21 Refutable Laws of Leadership. I have mm-hmm. that book right here. The same I have same that book right here. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same book right here. And, and so, you know, on this particular night, I, for some reason, I sat up and I decided I'm going to read. That was the first book I had read from high school. Wow. Like the first book I picked up and <laughs> I read about this leadership journey. And I said to myself, I want to be a leader. I actually want to be a leader. Now, behind all these things, um, this same mentor had always said, you got to go and try and go, go to America and see what's in America. And, you know, I was like, okay, you know, whatever, whenever it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. But when I finished reading that book, I made a decision that I was actually going to take this voyage. In 90 days, I quit a fantastic job, I had a driver, I had a pool, I had a cook, I had a house, I had everything else that you could imagine the trappings. I was a 27 year old, 28 year old kid who was living at the best that you could ever imagine. I, I was flying first class. I had every trappings that you could have that would keep you confined, as I would say. Yeah. And so I decided that I was actually going to take this voyage. And uh, I only knew that I wanted to um, learn from John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Now, I made it very clear, this was my statement, that I wanted to work with John Maxwell, not for John Maxwell. Right. I didn't know what that meant but I knew very well that I wanted to learn from him. Yeah. Now, behind the book, it says that he had offices in a place called Duluth, Georgia. Um, I went to London, I bought a ticket to Atlanta, got off the plane in Atlanta, 
I didn't know where to go. I had enough money. I went to a Best Western and I paid for a couple of weeks and uh, I started. I came to America with $749. That's all I had between me and a suitcase, the 21 refutable laws and a Bible that I hadn't read forever. That's all I needed. All I needed is I needed, I needed faith on this journey. Yeah, Better bring the Bible, just be safe, right? Even if I didn't read it, I knew that I just needed faith. Yeah. This was, I think this was the faith from my grandmother. My grandmother was, was always a very praying woman. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short is, you know, I come in and I come from the lifestyle that you're talking about. And in under two years in America, I was cutting grass to put food on my table. Hmm. I couldn't find a job, didn't matter what I knew. I was in a country I did not know anybody. I had zero. I literally came and started from scratch. Yeah. But I knew that there was no turning back. I knew that, that, that this was it. I, I had left my daughter back at home. The little money I had, I'd left back at home. Um, and I knew that I, I was on this. There was no turning back because if I turned back, I knew exactly what I was going to find. Hmm. Um, I came in and I remember back then I would go to John Maxwell's office. My first leadership books were books that I got from him that were, you know, the sample books that you get from the printer that says do not sell. Yeah. That's what I got, right? That's so awesome. I, I would go, I would go there and, and I would pack books and there were, you know, they were, they were sending them out to, to his conferences and I would get a book. And, and sometimes I would be there a little late and I'm hoping they've got to finish early enough for me to catch the bus to go back home. But, but that journey started and my growth started and I started exposing myself and I started reading. You know, I, I would go to Barnes & Noble. I, I always tell people I went to the school, you know, the school of Barnes & Noble, uh, the University of Barnes & Noble back then, right? And, and I would literally take books and, you know, if they were in, in leadership, I would take a book and could, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford the $12, $13. I would put a, a bookmarker. Uh, and I take the book and I go and hide it in the cookery section. <laughs> Tomorrow, you know, they won't find it. <laughs> or, or go and hide it in spiritual, you know, something you know, there, or psychology, you know, somewhere where you won't find it, right? Right. And so that tomorrow when I'd come back, I'd do that and come back and pick the book and continue. So that was my beginning of, of learning. And, and I started investing in myself and I started on this journey of, of growing myself. And, and it took me nine years before I had the opportunity to actually work with John. One morning I woke up and there was an opportunity to join the, to join the John Maxwell team. Uh, it was $5,000. I only had $1,000, which was actually my rent because it was towards the end of the month. And I had a choice. Now, you've got to remember, I'm a guy who's come from Kenya uh, with $799. And I have $1,000, which is my rent. And I'm thinking, he's not going to throw me out because I didn't pay rent for one month. So, you know, guess what I did? I called him and I said, listen, I'm coming in. Now, there wasn't a payment, payment plan. So I called and I, I created a story until I found somebody I could speak to. And when mm-hmm. they came on the line, I said, listen, I don't care what you're doing. It was Melissa Malik. Oh, really? Yes. And I said, wow. I have a thousand dollars. I love Melissa. And you're going to take this thing. I'm going to be a John Maxwell team member. I'm going to be a founder. Somehow I worked out and I said, you know, before we get to to Orlando, I'll figure it out. So I invested in myself and I became a John Maxwell team member. Now, you know, you talk about the story of me going. I remember going for our first International Maxwell Conference. And I was so broke. Literally, if I had lost a dollar, I would not have made it out of West Palm. Then it was in West Palm in Florida. And we had it in this little hotel. And there there was about like three, four hotels around. 
And I literally could not even afford either. In those days, they were, they were not providing a meal. So you had to buy breakfast. You had, so I had to choose, you know, if I had breakfast, then that was it. And, and I, I had to be hungry the whole day, but my pride would not let me hang around with people having lunch. So when we broke out for lunch, I would walk across and go to the other hotels and, and go you know, and hang out there and come back. And, and in the afternoon session, and I'm praying and I'm hoping you're not hearing my stomach growling because I am starving. <laughs> oh, man. Right? But, but I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I knew that it did not matter um, that I didn't have. What really was important and what really counted, and this is what I say to people, you know, you can want, you can wish, but if your actions do not align with that, it's a pie in the sky. Yeah. If you're not willing to bet, bet on yourself, if you're not willing to say and put the stake on the ground and say, I'm going to do it then you're not going to, you'll never get it done. And I had nothing, you know, not, not the money, not the, not the community. I didn't even have the context, to be honest with you. I would not have been, I, I remember thinking to myself, I, I couldn't even tell you about football. Now I knew about rugby because that's what I played, but I wouldn't even, I had no context of conversation sometimes. Right. So everything, and I could have sat down and looked at everything that I didn't have, or I would have gone with what I knew I wanted. And, you know, hey, long story short, you know, here we are. Um, I've shared the stage with John, what, four or five times. I have had an opportunity to be on his uh, minute with Maxwell. I've served on the Presidential Advisory Council for five years. I've served as a 90-day, um, you know, success coach. I've served as a peer teaching partner. I've, I've sat at, at, the, at the pinnacle of this place to be able to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. And all that started with a decision. Yeah. And, and we, we learn about that. I mean, in the book, Thinking Grow Rich, and we're studying that now, that burning desire, right? You had a burning desire to have something different yep. than you had back in Africa. Some, I need something different. So there had to be, there had to be, you know, be real. There had to be some fear that well, came along with making some of these decisions. How did you overcome that? Well, so I, I really want to tell you this is when I left Africa, I didn't have a burning desire. Okay. I had a wish. I had an idea. Right. It, it graduated as I was here. It came from an idea, a wish, a hope, a desire, a burning desire, a definite desire, and an all-consuming desire. The more I stayed in the game. Because I could right. see they finished. I, the more I stayed, it grew and I built it. Now, was there fear? Absolutely. But my, uh, here was two things. And I, and I, in the process, I translated and I, and I switched my relationship to failure because anywhere there's fear there's fear of failure Mm -hmm. and so i realized there was only going to be two options i could go back to what i already knew and have the life that i already had and there was really nothing exciting about that or i could change and look at every experience i have as a stepping stone for where i'm going Mm -hmm. and if i looked at this instead of looking at failure as 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 fatal and finality I started looking at it as lessons. So I don't have failures. I have a lot of lessons, my friend. <laughs> yeah. A yep. lot of lessons. Yep. And so I, I started learning to, to relate to failure very differently. And so what, how did I overcome that? I started investing in myself. I, I, I looked for every opportunity. When I, when I couldn't afford a coach, guess who were my coaches were? Well? was the books I read. 
When right. I could afford the books, then I went to the tapes I could listen to. And the, well, it was the CDs that I could listen to. And mm-hmm. so when I had books and CDs and all that, and then I could afford more, I went to conferences. And then from conferences, then I got my first coach. And then from my first coach, and I went on and I, you know, as I went on through the journey, but I constantly kept my, I kept feeding myself because I knew that if I went outside, outside of my norm, outside of everything, and by the way, for the better part of many years, I had people who asked me, why are you struggling? Just come back. Hmm. I, I still knew people who, if I had picked a phone at that point in time, I would have gotten back exactly where I was, gotten the job exactly where I wanted it, gotten the trappings that, I was, that had kept me there, and I would have just left a, you know, an average life. Right. And, and you know, did I enjoy the golfing days? Absolutely. But do I treasure now that I get to work with people like you? Do I get more value, more, more satisfaction? Absolutely. I would not give up that struggle that I've had that I've taken to me today for any trappings that were there in the past. So I, you just feed yourself you you, find you, the right resources. Absolutely. And you said one word there, and that's that average life, right? And I think that, that, for, that for anybody with a desire to grow and, and become more than they are currently, that word average is actually terrifying. And that should I can fuel your fire a little bit to move forward. So I, I want to just chat a little bit now. Obviously, we're going, you know, we're, we're coming through COVID-19. I mean, you're in the New York area, and it was pretty serious in, 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 in that state. Um, but, you know, how as a, what, what advice would you give to a, a small business owner, a, a entrepreneur who has seen their market dry up because yeah. of COVID-19 has affected their, their business and their industry? What kind of advice would you give somebody to, to fight through this and, and come out the other side stronger? I want to start by saying that I think, you know, uh, and, and hopefully none of your, um, this, this, this COVID affected people across the world. And, and you know, my heart goes mm-hmm. out to people who lost businesses, who lost family. Um, we were in New York and have been, literally, we are now opening up. We've been shut down for almost three months. Yeah. And so now we're just beginning to open up slowly. But, but here's, what I, here's what I realize at the end of the day. You know, it would be COVID or next time it will be something else. Right. And, and here's what I say, you need to find, you need to pivot. Whatever was pre-COVID is not going to be post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Things have changed. You know, now when you look at it, people are studying more from home. You know, everything that you could do now, online has become now more essential than it ever has, was before. There's, there's this whole huge market of people who've come online who had never touched a computer, but they needed to find out how to do Zoom. They needed to find out how to get their medicine. They needed to find out how to book this. So I think that, that um, A, um, take stock, you know, and, and there is a fear factor that comes into it. And there is, there is, a, there is a knock. And if I, you know, like I said, and I think I've shared this with you, I, I think only, even the big guys said they felt it. So I only want yes. to imagine most of us who are much smaller felt it just, you know, twice and 10 times as hard. But I think it's listening. Um, um, this is one of the, 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 the advantage of COVID was step aside and listen. Step mm, aside and good. Re- redefine what you do. Redefine your product. Redefine how you deliver it. Redefine how you connect to your market. Because what was before is not going to come back. And, and if you come back into this market with the old thinking, you're going to be out of step. So mm-hmm. I think really finding out. And remember, w- what a great opportunity. And it's attitude again. 
um, you can look at this and be defeated. Or you can look at this and think to yourself and say, what an awesome place for me to start creating something new. What an awesome yes. place for me to start to create something that's lasting. Now, in my view, one of the things that I really, we were discussing this in my family, is, is learning how to diversify in right. terms of investment. Mm -hmm. Because I think those of us who had one big business, there's a certain way. So for me, I, I look moving forward, I'm very interested in finding out how do I diversify my, my resources in a way that if some area was hit harder, I can balance out from another area or a certain income can therefore help me sustain. Now, right. I'm not saying go down the rabbit hole and try and become a jack of all trades, but no. find something that gives you that sort of, again, where you're investing long-term so that if there is this, and tomorrow it might not be COVID, and tomorrow it might be COVID again next, next summer, whatever it is. But right. whatever it is, I think for me, one of the biggest lessons out of this was diversify um, and pivot. Pivot, you know, find a way that you can do your work. Now, I am, I am not pro this whole concept that just give everything that you've worked for for free. Because I think that people, you know, people who pay, pay attention. <laughs> That's really, yes. I've, I've experienced that. <laughs> so whatever it is that you have, you may lower your price. You may extend your service. You know, if you did it for three weeks, then maybe you do it for five weeks. Find ways that you don't have to um, shell out uh, your needed income by adding more value. Yes. You know? yeah. So that for me, I think is really two of the things is there. And I think, you know, if there's anything we've learned is, you know, put money away, um, invest well, and, and, and stay steady. I think one of the things we've got to learn in this business now, um, cash flow is king and has been king. You know, if you can access money in cash, that's how most, most people have survived. You know, you, you, banks, some banks were not open as frequently as they had, or you couldn't, you know, you're not bringing more income. So right. uh, those are the three things that I think would, to, that I would say would be important. Awesome, excellent. Now, I, I want to transition to maybe a little bit more of a, of a sensitive topic, and I, I think we've had a great conversation so far, and, and I know I would be uh, remiss if we didn't touch on this. I mean, there's obviously, you're, you're an African-American man living in the United States today, and, uh, you know, in all of our countries and actually around the world now because of some tragic events that have happened in the U.S. have spurred some, some protests around the world to raise awareness to, to what what uh, African-American people are going through in, in, our, in our world today and, and, and other minorities are going through in our world today. So I wanted to spend uh, just a few minutes on how you've perceived what's happening, how it's impacted you as a, as a person, as a father, as a husband, because there has to be, there has to be we can have all the positive mindset we want in the world. There has to be a little bit of concern and worry for our families. Like I've always told people through COVID-19, I was never concerned about my own health. I was sure. concerned for my family's health, sure. right? Sure. I was, I was positive. I was going to be fine. I was concerned about them, but now there's some civil unrest going on and there's, you know, some definitely some good things happening because of, uh, because of the the protests and raising the awareness and and it's and but there's there's some bad stuff happening too. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I you know I just wanted to give you give you the plot give you the stage and I want you to share your heart where 
how how are you how are you dealing with this? How have you dealt with this in the past? And and I you know I talked to Jeru before we went live, and I said you know I I have to apologize because I, I'm a I, I'm a well I'm not apologizing for being white, but I'm going to apologize for my ignorance. I'm a white guy that lives in a fairly sheltered area in southern Manitoba with a whole pile of other white people. And we don't have, a, our, our culture here is definitely diversifying over the last couple of years. There's been a lot more immigrants coming in and they've been adding some great value to our community. I mean, some amazing food and restaurants are popping up and new, new culture and it's been great. But I've still lived a pretty sheltered life here and I'm not necessarily, my awareness, and, and you know, and, and forgive me for rambling here, but when I see this stuff, my heart breaks like it just breaks to see everything that's going on and uh, so i just want to give you the floor i'm not i'm going to shut up for a few minutes and let you share your heart about what you've been experienced experiencing and how this has affected you and your family and yeah. please just share well i thank you i really 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 thank you and and one of the things that i think is fundamentally important is we're not going to change anything until we start talking. Until we start, well, let me say this, until we start having conversation. Because until recent, until very now, people have been talking to each other. Nobody has been listening. And um, I'm also very clear about one thing is, I have no idea what it is like to be a white man. And I'm clearly as clear that you have no idea what it is like to be a black man. <laughs> I do not. We, we have also, we, we have different experiences. But in those experiences, We've also been brought up and brought into a context, a conversation, a system that was created um, to serve a certain group or to not serve a certain group or to oppress a certain group and to uplift a certain group, whatever the case. And, and I'm going to say this, you know, if we went back into the history of the African-American and their journey into America, um, it was never one of equality. They came in as slaves. They had to fight for their right for slave, to get out of slavery. And ever since it has been a continuous struggle um, for the rights to, to go to school, for the rights to get proper medical, for the rights to get um, um, proper, um, um, you know, to have the law on your side, whether it is, whether it is um, police or, or defense, whatever it is, it's been a, an ongoing consistent struggle and journey. Now, having said that, I, I am also very clear that um, we live in a place that systems like this are so entrenched um, in laws passed, in, in, in agreements from the past um, that have never reflected the diversity you're talking about, have never accepted the diversity that we have. And when you look at it today, uh, I, I, I struggle to even imagine that God who the all creator had the idea of creating this variety, this tapestry of humanity that had you look like you look and had me look like I look and had a Chinese man look like that or an Asian man or, or Indian man that, that he created that variety. And it's only man who came in and decided to choose which was superior to the other. We came and self-selected in this whole game. And were, for whatever reasons, whether it was for economic purposes, whether it was um, for whatever reason, you know, and you can go back to the history of this journey. But I say all that to say, um, what you're seeing now is really 
become the, I think it was the breaking of the, of the camel's back. Right. Of years of, of uh, brutality against a certain community. Um, I say this and I say, you know, my wife doesn't go to bed until I am home. My family will wait for me until I'm home. And I surely can tell it's not, I'm glad they, they're glad to have me home, but, but they're hoping that nothing has happened to me. Hmm. I, I tell people that I could be in the same car with you, Earl, and when you see a policeman behind you, you have no idea, you, you, to you, he's protecting you. For, for me, it, it can go either way. Yeah. I, he could protect me or I could not go home. That's just a fact. Now, compound that on the fact that I have a family and I have right. children who are coming in here. Um, I think there's that bias, implicit and you know, explicit and implicit, whatever way. But I think that we, we are at a turning point. Yeah. They, they, they is, they is, this is the first time that, that, there's become, that, that, that the white community has actually come and really gotten present to what happens outside of their bubble. And, 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 and I know what it is. There are people who live in a black community, have a black experience, and, and that's the way it is. And the people, just like you said, who live in a white community, have, have white children, go to white school, and that's, ex, that's your experience. So that shapes your view, that shapes your view of the world, that shapes everything that you have. And, and when you show up to work, and when you show up everything else, and you look at life occurring for you from that view, it's almost unconscious to even imagine somebody else doesn't have the same. But the fact is that there is a whole world of people that doesn't have the same. That doesn't have it. Yeah. And I, and I think what was really disheartening, I mean, what, what broke my heart was when I saw this policeman kneel on this scaffold, eight minutes and 46 seconds. Now, let's take the fact that he was a black man. Let's take that out. He was a man. Yeah. You're a human being. Yeah. What does it have? What does it take for a, another human being to actually exert pressure on somebody who's telling you that I can't breathe? Yeah. Until he dies. Yeah. Now here's what's what's breaking is that he's not the first. No. I so know. I think that that it's time, you know, and we are we are we are a really critical time, and and this is a time where I think. We, we need to talk. We need to actually come in. And, and I know we are not going to solve this on one side. I think it requires everybody to come in. It requires us to interact and actually understand each other's experiences. It requires that you actually stand because here's what I want to believe. I want to believe that I would do the same exact thing. I went to a peaceful protest. Yeah. It's my right. Absolutely. As a man, as a black man. But I want to be able to do that for any human being. Yeah. I want to make sure that when wrong is wrong, it's wrong. And I think now more than anything else, we, we are at a critical time. And here's what is even sad, is that it's been the younger generation that, 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 that our sons and, and this group, that, that because they, they're, they're beginning to get out of their bias that we bring them in and they're working together and they're connecting together and they have more things in common that they've actually been the people who are, are, are standing up and asking for a different world. Yeah. And we deserve that. I think we want to, we, we must be, you know, and I hear people throw this around that, oh, be the change that you want. What does that really mean? 
Yeah. You see, it, it, being the change just because you listen doesn't make you the change. No. Being the change means that you action. actually took a stand. You yeah. say something, you, you, you know, and it's all those things that you'll hear and, and most people, will, oh, well, it doesn't affect me or, or most people say, oh, that was bad. That wasn't very right for you to say. But if you stood and said, that's not acceptable, then we begin to start building a community in a world that both of us can enjoy, that our children can enjoy. And I think we're at a place where- Without fear, right? It, without fear of going, going for a walk, without fear of- Absolutely. It, 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 go ahead. We, we, we watched a movie it, made in 2019, it's called Just Mercy. And it was about- um, The prison system. Yeah, like in it, like my wife and I sat on our couch and we cried for for this man who was wrongfully accused, and then when he was finally granted thirty years, I think it was thirty years in jail, like How for something the that there's 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 probably millions of people like him. Yeah, yeah, and it and it's just heartbreaking. And you're right, and I am I, you know, I'm I'm going to be fifty two this year, and I'm going to be quite honest, I'm naive to a lot of this stuff because I have been in my bubble, uh, but thankful for for friends like you who have helped me gain a new awareness of, of, of it. And, and you know what, we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, unless you have anything else, we're going to bring this to a close. Uh, I'm going to say this. Don't, we're going to make mistakes on this journey. We're going to make mistakes, but we don't, don't, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people not speaking out because they don't want to sound like them. I, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I didn't, I was going to be, you know, really sit back and make sure that you've actually understood what you said and, and actually take the, go the extra mile to think what I said, what I posted, would that affect somebody else? Mm -hmm. If not us, but I think here's what it is. We've got to, we're going to make mistakes. I, I'm learning, you're learning, we're going to make mistakes. But if we can stand on true love, if we can stand on the fact that we want to make a different world, Yes. Good. And, and that, and I want, because you know what, and here's the thing, because you and I, and you know, some people may find this odd and I know there's a lot of people that don't like to share emotions and stuff, but I tell Giroux that I love him all the time. And I love you too, my friend. And, and I appreciate that. And that means the world to me in, in all seriousness, because you have, you have, and you know, and I'm not going to go into that story tonight because we don't have time. But you, you know what you did. You know the, you know how you coached me to overcome some stuff, yeah. and 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 stuck by me. And just like so, you know what you, as men, we have a difficult time forming friendships and bonds, anyways in life. Um, but there's 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 I have very few friends in my life, the close friends. But I know that this man on the screen, or if you're listening to this after the fact, this man on, on the audio here tonight would, would stand up and stand back to back with me in the fight if it, if it ever came down to that, because that's just who you are as a human being. And I, and I love and appreciate you and everything you've done for me. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for taking, I know you're busy and I know you, you're, you have a tribe, you have a community and you have lots of people that you're working with. So taking some time and, you know, taking time from your family this evening to come and, and spend 41 minutes sitting and chatting with me. So everybody, I hope you got great value out of this. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Lead from the Driver's Seat. And Drew, one thing I, I end every podcast episode with, because the podcast, we're on the 360 Leadership Facebook group right now, private group right now. But uh, this will be a podcast down the road, and the podcast is titled Lead from the Driver's Seat. And 
I want to know what does lead from the driver's seat mean to you? Um, it means responsibility. Hmm. Like that. Um, you see, leadership is not granted, it's earned. And if you're going to be responsible for the opportunity to lead others, then earn it. Be responsible in what you do. Be responsible with the gift you have. Be responsible in how you communicate. Be responsible in how you serve. Um, be responsible in how you grow be responsible in how you give. Um, that's for me is leading from a driver's seat. Uh, and if you can do that, then I think you, you can build a business. You can have the impact you want. You can have the influence you want. And ultimately you can have the income you want. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. And Jeru, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for spending some time with us tonight. I loved it. I loved it. We should do this again. <laughs> Absolutely. I will hold you to that. We will do that again. Thank you, my friend. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Lead from the Driver's Seat with Al Rutan. Al would love to hear from you. Reach out anytime at www.lrutan.com or hello at lrutan.com.